Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Wow, this is uh, probably one of the most important messages that I will ever give. And I'm so glad you're here. And you were divinely appointed to be here today. So let's recite our mission statement. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And when we talk about that, we're not talking about that from some religious context, but we're talking about that from a relational context where we have this personal, intimate relationship with Him. And then our vision or the goal is to make disciples who will impact the world with the love of Christ. That we grow in this relationship and that we're so passionate for Him and uh, that it overflows out of our life. And from that, we are able to impact the world around us that's looking for the hope of Christ that we have. So anyway, thank you so much for being here this morning. We're in this series, Becoming Mature Believers. And uh, today I want to talk about something that's probably one of the most misunderstood things in the Bible today, prophecy and speaking in tongues. It, it's caused such great division in the church, and, and uh, there's, there's just a lot of confusion. So hopefully today, when you leave this uh, building, you'll be a little more clear on what the Bible says. You know, when we just read the Bible and, and don't read it through filters of what we want it to say or how we want it to say it, but what the word actually says, it's really pretty clear. Uh, I want to start with my favorite scripture in the entire Bible is 1 Corinthians 13. 13, that's where we left off last week. And it says, uh, Paul writes to the early church, three things last forever, forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. We were created to live, give, and receive love. That's part of our being. That's part of who we are. Uh, God, when we were created, we were created in God's image, and God is love, right? And so love is a vital part of, of, of our being and who we're created to be. Let's look at um, chapter 14. Paul continues in chapter 14 and 14.1, and he says, Let love be your highest goal. So in chapter 12, he was talking about the gifts. In chapter 14, he's talking about the gifts in chapter 13, he talked about love, but he begins chapter 14 with, let love be your highest goal. Even though he's unpacking more about the gifts and prophecy and things like that, he's talking, the, the core of everything that we do, the core of our being should be love. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So this is a key verse here. Uh, love is primary. But he's saying you should also desire the special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives, especially to prophesy. Verse 2, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Verse 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, 
but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So if someone gives a word of prophecy to an individual, they are strengthened, and it, it encourages others. Have you ever been in a service where the prophetic was flowing, and maybe you didn't get a word, but maybe someone else got a word of prophecy, and, and you were encouraged by that? And you say, hey, wait a minute, that's a good word. I'm going to take that word too. And so this, the Spirit of God wants to pour into our lives, and He knows what we need, and sometimes we need a word from God. Do you ever, do you ever get discouraged, and you're like, man, I just... I wish someone would call and encourage me, and then, then you're spending time in, in prayer or in the Word, and, and you feel like the Holy Spirit's encouraging you, or someone picks up a phone and calls you or texts you and gives you an encouraging word. So the, the Lord can do that, and He does do those things. Um, if I or someone else give a word of prophecy, the entire church is strengthened. Prophecy builds us up. It, it strengthens the entire church. Check this out. Verse 5. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. And it seems that in a lot of the, uh, the charismatic movement and a lot of the charismatic type churches, there's a lot of emphasis put on speaking in tongues. But prophecy, according to what we're reading here and what we're going to read, is more valuable, more beneficial than speaking in tongues. These are gifts given to the church to help one another. So you know our core scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Who? The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for equipping the saints so that we come into unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus, that we become mature in the Lord. And if you read after that, it says, so that we will grow up, basically, so that we won't be tossed about by every wind of new doctrine, that we become mature. So we're in this series, Becoming Mature Believers, and it's important that we understand the Word of God, that we accurately understand and exercise or demonstrate the gifts that He's given to us. Verse 7, uh, let me go back to, to chapter 12, verse 7. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, what? So we can help each other. That's why the spiritual gifts are given, so that we can help each other. Not so that we can look all spiritual or be in, you know, be in it for our own gain, but so that we can help each other. All right, back to 1 Corinthians 4, 5. He says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. He continues in verse 5, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Speaking in tongues is a gift. Okay, so he's not saying, let's just throw out speaking in tongues, but he's saying that, it's, uh, that prophecy is better. So why not just speak a word of prophecy? If God gives us something, why, are we, why do we speak in tongues that someone has to interpret? Why don't we just share what the Word has to give? Now, again, the tongues are a gift, and, and we'll read on more. Let's, let's just read on. Okay, verse 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? I believe Paul is giving some instruction for the application of the gifts. If you don't understand what I'm saying, if, I, if you don't understand French and I begin to speak in French, how would that help you? It wouldn't help you very much, right? 
But if I reach out in a genuine, authentic manner that others can understand and receive, that has the, the ability to have great impact. Verse, uh, verse 6 again says, Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? It continues, But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. The Lord wants to speak to us. The Lord wants to speak through us, and communication is key, right? So the, words, uh, the word was not given to us to cause division or dissension or confusion or misunderstanding. The word is given to help us. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, when we just read the scripture, and, and, and we should say, God, give me revelation when I'm reading the scripture. Help me to understand. It's pretty clear. When we understand and choose to follow his plans, then we can make a difference in the world as we go out and live it. So we're talking about becoming mature believers. Have you ever known any kooky Christians? They were probably kooky before they got saved. And if you don't know any kooky Christians, you're probably the kooky one. Okay. All right. All right. So verse 7. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. Okay, we're going to sing a song, all right? And when I say sing, I want you to begin to sing, all right? So everybody, you can just stay seated, but put your hands together. Okay, come on now. You all ready to sing? One, two, one, two, one, two, three, sing! Do we need to try this again? No. Okay, I think you get the point. That, that drum beat is one of the most basic drum beats you'll ever hear. It's, it's used in hundreds, well, probably thousands of songs. But if you don't know what song we're singing, how can we sing? How can we sing together? Okay, well, you guys tried. I, you know, I'll give you an A for, a for trying there. Let's look at verse... Uh, 14.8. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? Is, it, is that the call to battle or is, it, is that Joe practicing again? I, I can't tell. All right. Let's read on here. Verse 9. It is the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. The heart of God is that we come into this personal, intimate relationship with Him. And how can we effectively reach others with this good news if, if, if we can't communicate with them? Verse 10, there are many different languages in the world and every language has a meaning. Verse 11, but if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. So communication is key. Listen, Jesus didn't come to make this real difficult. He came to draw people back into this relationship with him that we would be restored with a heavenly father. 
that relationship that was broken in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned when they chose to disobey. And so sin, sin entered into all of humanity. But Jesus came to restore us back. And, and one of the best ways that I know of to, to reach out to people is to just share our story. What, what has God done in my life? Well, I, I don't know about you, but I can tell you what he's done in my life. Everybody has a story. If, if you don't have a story, use one of mine. You've heard me share numerous stories. But that's our, that's our greatest testimony is sharing what the Lord has done in our hearts and our lives, whatever that looks like. Because people can debate Scripture and theology all day long, but nobody can really debate your story because it's your story. And you know what God has done. And no one's going to talk you out of that because it's the reality of coming into this relationship with Jesus. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. Verse 12, and the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Let's go back to verse 6, 14, 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. The goal is that everyone will be built up and helped. The whole church. 1 Corinthians 14, 13. So, if anyone, or so anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. So what good would it do for me to say something in a language that nobody understood? be going what did he say what i don't understand so let me just read on here Let, let's uh we notice here in chapter 14 that paul shifts from speaking to praying okay so let's look at uh first corinthians 14 14 for if i pray in tongues my spirit is praying but i don't understand what i'm saying in general, praying is different than speaking, right? Prayer is really just speaking to God, but it's different than speaking. So he's talking about prayer here. Um, is, is someone speaking in tongues different than someone praying in tongues? I believe it could be the same, or it could be different. I don't know. I mean, it's just a thought that I had. I don't want you to get bunny trail here. But just a thought. Is it the same? I don't know. It could be, or it could be different. But let's look at uh, 13 and 14 again. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. Verse 14, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. So when I pray in the spirit, I don't know what I'm praying. Um, I've, I've prayed out loud uh, and, and somebody that has was in the military, said that it sounds like two different languages from the Middle East. I've never really been there, so I don't know what their languages sound like. But when I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm passionate about it. And uh, sometimes the intensity increases as I'm praying. Have you ever just been praying, and Lord God, I, I pray for my family, and, and you get passionate? Well, sometimes, many times when I'm praying in the Spirit, I'll be passionate. And, uh, you know, I pray a lot in the Spirit. 
praying right now. And this is what my prayer language sounds like. Does anybody know what I said? I, I don't know what I said, but it's my spirit, man, that is praying. And what happens when I pray? Lord God, I pray for Rick. I pray for his new business. I pray for his beach house. You know, so I'm thinking as I'm praying. Now, I can be led by the Spirit of God, right, as I'm praying? For Isaiah, Lord God, I pray that you fill him with the fire of the power of the... Okay, so I'm praying, but my mind is processing what I'm saying. Again, that can be very led by the Spirit as I'm praying, but everything is kind of filtered through my mind. I might be thinking... Why does my wife have that blouse on, you know, as I'm praying or whatever, right? So, so we can get distracted. But when I pray in the Spirit, it's like my, my mind is bypassed. It's my spirit man communing with God. And so, I, I don't know, I, I would say it this way maybe, that it's more pure. Because I'm, I'm not really distracted. I'm not th- thinking about, my brain is not thinking about what it's telling my tongue to say as I'm praying. I'm just praying. It's just like flowing out of me. And so there have been times when, when I don't know what to pray. Maybe we're driving down the freeway and, and we see a car accident. And it looks pretty bad. So we begin to pray. Pray in the Spirit. Pray. For, we begin to speak life over those people. We begin to pray for their salvation if they're not saved. We begin to pray that they're okay and that God will protect them. And, you know, so sometimes we don't know what to pray. So we just pray in the Spirit. And you don't have to pray in the Spirit out loud. You can pray quietly, just like I can pray for Naomi. I can pray out loud, or I can pray in the Spirit. I can, I can play, pray for her in words and a language I understand out loud or quietly. I can pray in the Spirit out loud or quietly as well. Okay, so Paul is talking about prayer language. Let's read on. Let me read 14 again. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. But I don't understand what I'm saying. Jude 20 says, But dear friends, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And verse 21 says, And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. But I really want to focus on verse 20 here. But you, dear friends must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that God wants all of us to have a prayer language. Because why? Because we're built up when we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Let's look at Jude 20 in the New American Standard Bible. I really kind of like this translation better. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit. And many times we'll see in the translation where it says building ourselves up. Do we ever need to be built up? Of course we do. And so when we pray in the Spirit, we don't know what we're praying, but we're being built up. Um, do you ever need to be built up? One of the greatest things that we can do to build ourselves up when we're under attack is begin to worship. Just worship. When you're under attack, just begin to worship, and, and that thing will come off of you like, like that. And, you know, many times when I've been under uh, a spiritual attack, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to sing a stinking song. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. 
But as, as I begin to just make myself worship, and sometimes that's it, man. I have to force myself. I begin to sing and just worship. I mean, I'm just making myself. But that thing will just break off. The other thing that we can do is pray in the Spirit because we're built up. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is teaching the, the early church in Ephesus about putting on all of God's armor. Ephesians chapter 6. To be able to stand against all strategies of the devil. The devil has strategies. And so does God. And part of his strategies are to put on the, the armor of God and to pray. But at the conclusion, so I'm not going to go into the, all the, the, you know, the, the spiritual armor, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, maybe I will, the shield of faith, the sword of the word, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of peace. So we have armor. You know, it's nothing covers the backside. It's for advancing. We advance the kingdom of God. But anyway, uh, so in, at, the end of this, at the end of this dialogue here where Paul is talking about putting on all the armor of God so that you can stand strong against all the strategies of the devil, he says this in verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. I mean, multiple times we see this where we're to pray in the Spirit. And there are people that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And they don't believe in praying in tongues and speaking in tongues and all those kinds of things. And when you look at the Bible, listen, this was written, Ephesians and 1 Corinthians were probably written 50 to 60 years after Jesus was crucified, rose on the third day, and ascended to heaven. Why would he be writing these things if they weren't applicable, if they weren't needed? Ephesians 4.11, and these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, well, I don't believe there are apostles today. Prophets, well, I don't believe there are prophets today. Well, do you believe there are evangelists, pastors, and teachers? I mean, you're going to carve out? But people do that. So we just need to know what the Word of God says. These gifts are given for us today. And, and. Excuse me, and I already quoted this in Ephesians 4.11. And these are, gifts are given to build up the church so that we can train and equip, so that we come into unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son, so that we become mature in the Lord. Those gifts are needed today. In fact, that, that same passage of Scripture says, this will continue, training and equipping will continue until we come into unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. Is the church in perfect unity today? Well, what do you think? Do, you, do we still need those? And there are people that they'd say, no, th those aren't for today. Well, okay, let me move on. Uh, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is something we all need. Verse 14 again. Let me go back to 14, 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Back to Jude. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15. Well then, what, should I, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray with words I understand. Do you understand that there's a difference here? Right? He's saying, I will pray in the Spirit, 
And I will also pray in words that I understand. So we know that when we pray in the Spirit, we don't understand what we're praying. I will pray in words I understand. I will pray in the Spirit in which I don't understand. Two different applications of prayer. When I pray, again, when I pray in the Spirit, my mind is initializing and initiating what I'm trying to say. And it's processing through my brain. When I pray in the Spirit, it's bypassing my, my soulish man, my mind, my will, my logic, my reasoning, my emotions. Next, Paul gives another example. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 15 continues, And I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. Again, clearly two different things, right? Singing in the Spirit and singing in words that I understand. I allow my spirit man to sing a lot of times, like when we're singing today. Uh, so I'm, I'm singing along with everybody else, right? But there are times when I allow my spirit man to sing and commune with the Lord. When I'll be singing in the spirit, I'm singing along with the melody of the song, but, but it's like I'm singing in the spirit. It's like, I'm, like I gave the example of praying in the spirit. So I can also uh, allow my, soul mind, uh, my soulish man or my mind and emotions, reasoning, all that to worship God, and I can also worship Him in the Spirit. Listen, it doesn't have to be weird and kooky. Most of you never even know when I'm singing in the Spirit. And I don't sing that loud when I sing in language because I don't sing that good. But God likes it. So, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not this weird and kooky thing that some people try to make it. It's, it's really not. It's just allowing, letting go, and saying, God, just speak through me. Just pour into me. Just fill me up to overflowing. For if you, let's read on here in verse 16. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? So if Naomi began to sing in the spirit, how would, how would we know what to sing? So sometimes I sing in the spirit with a known melody, and, and many times I sing... Uh, in words that I that we would all understand, the words that are up on the screen that everybody else is singing along with. Okay, so let me look at verse 16 again. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? Continues. How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? So when I sing in the Spirit, I'm being built up as we're worshiping. And it's not building anybody else up, right? But it's building me up. Verse 17, you will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Clearly, Paul has the gift of speaking in tongues. But he's been talking about prophecy. He's been talking about praying in his prayer language. He's been talking about singing in the Spirit. Verse 19, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. The goal is to help others and to build up the church, to be built up. It's not to draw attention to ourselves. Verse 20 says, dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. 
Paul's saying, listen, we need to understand this. We need to be mature in our understanding of the word of God and the application of the gifts. I I think he would call this letter Becoming Mature Believers because he's talking to young Christians and helping them to grow and understand the fullness and the depth of God's grace and mercy and giftings. Because the gifts are for us to build one another up, to build ourselves up, to build up the church. Verse 20 continues, Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. So let's accurately understand the Bible so that we can apply these things correctly. And then Paul quotes from Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. He says, It is written in the Scriptures, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So, you know, God is trying to get uh, the Jews' attention. And, and uh, you know, there are people that are going over there. We support ministries that are going over and preaching the gospel to the, the people of Israel. And, and there are people getting saved. Jews getting saved, coming into this relationship with Jesus. Verse 22, so you can see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. And there was an example that we heard about at our home church in Corpus, where uh, this lady was speaking perfect Castilian Spanish, and another lady was interpreting in English. Now, the person being spoken to understood Spanish, And she also understood English. And uh, the lady uh, speaking perfect Spanish did not know she was speaking Spanish. And this lady said, did you know you were speaking Spanish? And she's like, no, I didn't know. I didn't know what that language was. I didn't know I was speaking. So naturally, she was unable to speak in Spanish. Now, here's here's an opportunity, I think, where uh, maybe, uh, so this, this lady was speaking in tongues, right? And this lady receiving the word understood the language of the tongue, and she also understood the interpretation. I can see where that would be helpful. That would be pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, but if someone just stands up and begins to speak in an unknown language, and then someone else interprets it, but you don't understand the unknown language, how will you know that that's an accurate interpretation? Just some things I've thought about, okay? I don't know if you've ever thought about these things. But the, the point is, is that, um, well, what he says here, speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. So if that lady was an unbeliever, she'd be going, wow, how did she speak this other language and this other lady interpret it correctly? So let's, let's read on here. Verse 22 continues, prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. So Paul's already established the importance of prophecy. Uh, Let's look at verse 23. Even so, if unbelievers are people who don't understand these things, come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you're crazy. Like, what's going on here? It's chaotic. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. Imagine that there's, a, there's an unbeliever in a meeting and someone has a word of uh, prophecy for this person. They don't know him, but they, they just, by the Spirit of God, they know. They, they begin to say, uh, ma'am, I really feel like the Lord is saying that you're in a, an adulterous affair. 
And that if you will get out of that affair, that your son who's blind in his left eye will be instantly healed. And so maybe this lady says, you know what? Wow, how did, how did he know or she know that I was in an adulterous affair? How did they know about my child? And so maybe they go home and do what, what's been suggested that they do and they see a miracle. You know, that, that could change somebody's life. Or maybe, you know, it could be prophecy. You know, it could be anything. Sir, your business is going to prosper. You're going to get a contract this week for a million dollars or, you know, or whatever that is. I'm not, I'm not speaking a word of problem. Well, maybe I am. I don't know. Uh, if that's a good word for you, take it. Receive it. <laughs> but you get the point is that, that prophecy, I said this a few w- weeks ago, a word from God can change your destiny. A word from God can change your destiny. And if we will just yield to the Lord and allow him to speak through us, God may speak a word through us that's going to change somebody's destiny. I've shared with you guys numerous times about this guy I worked with uh, in the lab, and he was a contract lab employee, and he came up to me one day, and he said, Mark, you say you're a Christian, but the words that come out of your mouth don't reflect it. I wanted to hit him, but he was so right. And I believe that man was led by the Spirit of God because it changed my life. I had to evaluate. I had to say, you know what? The words that are coming from my mouth are not glorifying to God. They don't reflect a Christian character and a Christian life. And that little conversation, I believe, brought course correction to me in my life. So a word from God can change someone's destiny. Verse 25, as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall on their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. Man, when the power of God is moving, when somebody reads your mail that you know they don't know you, you have to take, stop and take note and say, wait a minute, there's something to this. We've had words of prophecy spoken over us, people we've never even seen before. Right on. How, how would they know that? By the Spirit of God. The goal is love and restoration to Him first and with each other second. Relationships, not religion. Next, Paul gives an example of what a church service could look like. So he says in verse 26, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret. Here's the key. It continues, But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Why? Because it's all about love. It's about being strengthened and encouraged. Next, he gives some parameters on situations where people may be speaking in tongues. Verse 27. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. And I think... Uh, I don't know about you, but I think I've seen examples where people have misunderstood this, where I I can remember one guy used to stand up and almost every service he had, uh, he would speak in tongues. And, you know, just in my spirit, I thought, I'm not sure that that 
I think, well, I thought it was his prayer language, and I thought he was getting this confused, speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. I think what he was doing, I think it was really just praying in a spirit, and, and he didn't know, uh, he didn't know the difference. But, but praying in tongues and speaking in tongues are two different things. But clearly, if someone speaks in tongues, it must be interpreted. I mean, that makes sense, right? Who would gain anything if nobody understood what was being said? So speaking in tongues is for unbelievers and must be interpreted. Next, Paul gives instructions on prophecy. Verse 29. You guys staying with me? Good? Okay. All right. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. So whenever someone's on this platform, because we call this a a place of plat, it's a platform because it's a place of influence, I'm listening. I don't allow just anyone to get up here and teach because I want to make sure that you're getting good food. And if I hear something erroneous, uh, I have no problem bringing correction or clarification because I don't want you walking out of here taught something that's incorrect. You know, the word word says that I'm going to be held accountable. (laughs) I'm going to stand before God. I take that pretty seriously. And more importantly, well, not, maybe not more importantly, but equally important, I love you guys. And I want to see you taught the word. I want to see the word richly growing within you so that you're healed and set free and walking in the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, not a marginal life, and that you go out and impact the world around you with the love of Christ as you go out and live this thing out. That's my heart. That's God's heart. That we be impacted and changed and filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then he gives us these wonderful gifts. And how many people say, no, don't want it. No, mm-mm, I don't want that. Really? I want everything that the Lord has for me. Everything. Um, Let me see here. So let two or three people prophesy and let others evaluate what is said. Um, Verse 30, but if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. So imagine that somebody's prophesying. And somebody says, wait, 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 I've got a revelation. I have some greater understanding on that, on that word. Then they're to stop and let them say what they need to, and then they can go back into prophesying. The point is, is God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. And so he's establishing some boundaries and some order for what could happen in a church service or what may happen in a church service. These are guidelines to avoid the chaos and confusion. Verse 31, in this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the other so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. So again, Paul is giving an example of what a church service could be or look like. Verse 32, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and and can take turns. You don't get possessed by something and turn into a zombie. I've got a word for you. You know, I mean, it's, it's the spirit of God flowing through us and we have control over what's going on and so again it's not a weird and kooky thing the key is following the leading of the holy spirit for god is not a god of disorder but of peace 
as, as, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. So we never want to hinder the Holy Spirit, but we also want to ensure our flesh is not getting in the way of what the Lord wants to say or do. Next, he talks about some cultural things. Let's, we talked about some cultural issues in, uh, back in chapter 11, and it's believed that some of the men were not teaching their wives at home, and some of the women may have been disrupting the flow of the services because he talks about this here in verse 34. Women should, not, should, I'm sorry, women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive just as the law says, verse 35. If, if they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. Again, I think this is partly a cultural issue, but in general, men received more uh, religious biblical teachings than the women did. And maybe some of the men were not teaching their wives at home. Maybe they were not instructing them in the things of the Lord. And so these women would come to church and they'd begin to ask questions. And, uh, you know, maybe the rabbi or the teacher or somebody would be kind of looking at the husband. Really? She's asking, you, you haven't taught your wife any of these basic truths and principles that are found in the Bible? You know, so I can envision that that was kind of the thing that was going on. Um, men and women are given gifts, but everything must be done in order. Some of the most gifted people, Christians I know, are women. Very, very gifted. So it's not a matter of... Uh, men are gifted and women are not because the word says that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female in Christ, but we're all one. And so God can pour his spirit out into a woman. God can pour his spirit out into a four-year-old child and begin to use that child and speak through that child and work through that child. So it's not a, 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 you know, a gender thing at all. Um, verse 36, or do you think God's word originated with you, Corinthians? Are you the only one to whom it was given? So I think there must have been some things going on there in that church. It would appear that there was some pride, some arrogance, teachability issues that were going on there. Verse 37, if you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord himself. Paul's saying, listen, I'm, I'm led by the power of God. And if you're a spiritual person, you're going to know this because the spirit is not going to be contrary or, or, or pulling against itself. Maybe some of these Corinthians were getting a little prideful in their giftings. If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord himself. Verse 38. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself will not be recognized. I think if these, some of these guys were challenging Paul, I think they needed to be really careful. We know that Paul was trained up by one of the best in the Old Testament law and, and traditions, and, and then he had an encounter with Jesus and spent time with the apostles, and God used him powerfully. <laughs> I mean, we just finished the book of Acts and, and, and saw a lot of the miracles and the things that God was doing through these men and women that were yielded and submitted to God. And I tell you what, you need to be careful if, you're, if you start slamming a, a man of God or a woman of God, because God takes care of his children. God takes care of you. God takes care of us. And so what I envision is going on here is maybe, maybe some of these guys were kind of challenging Paul a little bit. Uh, verse 39, So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager 
to prophesy. And don't forbid speaking in tongues. So he's talked about speaking in tongues. He's talked about prophecy. But he's saying, don't forbid speaking in tongues. That's a gift. But use it properly. Use it correctly. Prophecy is better than speaking in tongues. But it's a gift to be recognized as well. He closes this section out in summary. But be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Because he doesn't want people coming into his church and there's all kinds of chaotic stuff going on, all kinds of fleshly stuff going on that are, that are pushing people away from God. You know, sometimes the, the greatest hindrance to people coming into this relationship with Jesus are people that claim to be Christian. We don't want to be those people. We're not going to be those people. So as we yield our hearts and lives to the Lord and He changes us, Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, coming into alignment with God's purpose and plan and will for our lives. Then we will learn to know God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. As we grow in this relationship with Him, And God speaks through willing vessels who will yield to him and say, God, what do you want me to do today? And then obey, led by the precious power of the Holy Spirit. That's that's what changes the world. That's what changes us. And that's, that's what impacts a lost and dying world all around us. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless.